Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Bible. I'm going to come to you today like uh, the little lady that come home from revival. And she is so full of the Holy Ghost and fire, and she is so excited about God. She found a thief in her house robbing her of, of all of her goods. And she said, stop in the name of Acts 2 and 38. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus. That, that thief hit the ground, put his hands on the back of his head, and she put her foot right on top of his head and got on her cell phone. And she called the law. And the law got there and got that man. As they were carrying him out, handcuffing him, they said, sir, why in the world didn't you run? She said, are you kidding me? She told me she said she, she, said she had an ax and two 38s. <laughs> I ain't moving. I hope you came for a word from God today. I'm going to need my glasses out of that bag too, baby. Amen. I'm not used to being up this early. I'm just kidding. No, no, you're looking. I always thought in 47 years of marriage, she was so wonderfully blessed. But I've come to find out she wasn't blessed. She's been courageous. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me this morning. We're going to go to one scripture, one scripture on the book of Mark. If you will stand in, in respect of the word of God as our our tradition is Mark chapter 8, verse 22. I better put that down here because I'm a pulpit slapper. Oh, I hope you come to have some church today. And usually I find out sometimes that, that the more radical crowd is that early crowd, believe it or not. The other ones come in half sleepy. But you guys come in, you're ready to go and you're, you're here. But the Bible says in the book of Mark chapter 8, look at verse 22. And he cometh to Bethesda. And they bring him a blind man unto him and brought, brought him to touch him. Now, they brought him on purpose for him to be touched by Jesus. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And look, listen closely now. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes. Say, say this with me the second time. And made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Now, the NIV would say the second time, and I want to talk today about the second touch. Father, I thank you today for your word. I ask you to anoint us to speak the word as it stands anointed on its own. Anoint the people to receive the word, God, to hear what you're saying. God's ones that walked in here this morning with a heavy heart because of things around them and miracles they have need of, I call in those miracles today. And I thank you, God, that you're a God that will do it again. We give you praise and glory in the name above every name, the name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Here is a story that we see that sometimes on our way to the miracle, there's a process that not always when we pray the prayer 
Have you ever prayed that prayer in, in prayer and fasting and time with God and prayed that prayer and you knew that God heard your prayer and you believe you got your prayer answered that moment? Then it seemed like sometimes there's a process that you have to go through on our way to the miracle. In this, you must know this about God, that his actions are never an end to themselves, but they are always a means to an end. Always. He never does something just to do something. God is not just a haphazard God. He doesn't just do something just to do it. He doesn't wake up one morning and think, I'm going to do this for so-and-so. No, everything he does is intentional. We have an intentional God. He never does something just to do something. When he does something, he's doing something. It may not be complete. It may not be what you're looking for. It may not be the answer you're looking for. It may not be the fulfillment completely. And when he begins, I know one thing, he will finish what he begins because this Bible says so. What God starts, he's going to finish it. There's an intent because God is intentional. He's an intentional God. And because he's intentional, he's doing something. And when he's doing nothing, he's still doing something because he's intentional. So the, all that means is when he's doing something, something is happening. And when he's doing nothing, still something is happening in our life. He's still doing something. And, and that means if he's doing nothing, he's doing something because he's doing nothing on purpose, his purpose in our life. And sometimes when we think that God ought to be moving in our life or our church like he should be, sometimes God's got to get everything in line like he wants it because remember, it's about his purpose and not our purpose. We must understand that God is a God of intentional purpose. He's a God of intentional purpose. Jesus and the disciples in the book of Mark were standing near the place where they fed the 5,000, yea, with men, with women and children, more like 20,000. This miracle in itself was a process. It shows us the process of God. The Bible said he took the bread. He did three things. Number one, he blessed it, and then he broke it. And then he distributed unto the hands of the disciples. Now, that's an entire different message, and I'll have to maybe come back and preach that one time. The miracle was not in Jesus' hands. The miracle was now in the disciples' hands. Think about that just for a moment. It was the, the miracle that God put in their hands. He did not break it before he blessed it, and I want you to get a hold of that. There's order to God. The brokenness came after the blessing. Hold on to that right there. It's after the brokenness that which would only feed just, just a few people fed a multitude of 5,000 men. Things can be used in a greater way when you allow God to break them in your life. Sometimes it might be a relationship that you think is the best in the world. Sometimes it might be a career or a job or, or sometimes it may be going one direction like, like your pastor going one direction in basketball and God used that basketball as a purpose in his life because God had intent that some of you are sitting here today because God looked down the road and saw your life and knew that, that if he didn't use him in that area and, and he closed the doors in other areas, he could have went pro and just went on his life about that without the ministry, but God had an intention in his life, and because of that, you're sitting here today. Won't you give God a shout of praise? So they came to the place, and Jesus' disciples, somebody brought a blind man for him to touch. He had lost his vision, and there was a, a request. Note that right there. There was a, a request for him to touch him. 
He could not see anything the way he used to see them. Now they brought him to the one who they call rabbi. And I want to stop here just for a moment and, and touch on this. Now rabbi in the Bible means teacher. There are, there are some things you can't teach me out of. I just need a touch. I need a touch. You see, this is a house that believes in the miraculous touch of God. Am I, can I get an amen there? I'm for information, but this man did not infor, need information. He needed a transformation, and that would come only by the touch of God. He needed a touch. Teaching informs me, but touching transforms me. I need a transformation by the touch of God. In, that, in this age of information, we still need a touch in the Z generation, in the millennial generation. There's so many things going on right now in this generation. And they want information. And I, I face this as a pastor, that, that Sunday morning message is not enough. And maybe even Wednesday night message is not enough. They're always wanting to get information. But sometimes I find out that those same people do not want to pray. They do not want to fast. They don't want to spend time before God. They don't want to carry a cross and they don't want to carry a sacrifice or give a sacrifice. They want everything to come through information. But some, listen generation, you can't get everything through information. You have got to have a touch of God on your life. Would you shout amen right there? And so Jesus, get this, when they bring this man to Jesus, immediately Jesus grabs him by the hand and leads him outside of the village. Now there's something about atmosphere. That's what I teach in our church, that we have to make sure. I, I, we, we like to have all of the nice uh, uh, lights. We like to have all of the nice sound. We, we have a great choir and band. I, I have one of the greatest uh, uh, praise bands in, in the nation uh, that any evangelist ever come through. T Bishop T.D. Jakes has tried to take them off. Others that came through my church love our praise. But I, I tell our people, it's not about how good we can sing. It's about the atmosphere that we set for God. There's something about atmosphere. Can God come into our home and, 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 and come down with his presence like the dove that left the ark? Can he find rest for the soles of his feet? That's what I'm talking about, atmosphere. And Jesus knew the atmosphere was not right in that situation. So he took him by the hand and he led him outside, outside of the town because there had to be an atmosphere. But the Bible says that he led him out and that he spat on the man's eyes. And once he spit on the man's eyes, thank you, <laughs> I love towels. When he spit on the man's eyes, the Bible said, not, you know, Jesus is not politically correct. <laughs> Woo, glory. And that includes me. He spit on the man's eyes, and God not being politically correct, he would not be welcome in many churches today that, that are worshiping on Sunday. Don't worry, I'm not going to spit on anybody in the house today except for the first three rows that I'm preaching right now. I want you to get this next part. It exploded in my spirit when I saw it. Jesus asked the man, what do you see? Now that's a funny thing to ask a man that's got spit running down his eyes. A blind man at that. But Jesus asked the man, what do you see? Let me ask you this this morning. What are you seeing? What are you seeing for your life? And what are you seeing for your ministry this morning? He said, I see men walking around as trees. This is my question. If a man is blind, how does he know what trees look like? How does he know what a man looks like unless there was a season in his life that, that, that 
that he saw, but he had had vision and he lost his vision. You see, no doubt there are people in this room today that, that had a vision. You saw something for your kids. You, you had a desire for your children to know and serve God and to be in Sunday school and, and to, to be in church on Wednesday nights and to be in the youth group. But, but sometimes we get vision that, that soccer is more important or basketball is more important or, or, or that baseball is more important and we don't care about what we have lost the vision of God for our children. Can I get a shout of amen in this house right now? We saw something for our kids, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, concerned about who they're going to marry. If you have a child, you ought to be concerned about who that child's going to marry, praying every day that God, there's got to be some little girl or some little boy that loves you like my kids love you, like I'm teaching my kids. There's got to be some vision there, but you may have seen that for your business. You had a vision for your business. You had a vision for your marriage, and you had a vision for your ministry and your place. You know what it's like to see and have vision in one season and go blind in another season. The eyes in your head give sight, but the eyes of your soul gives vision. Did you get that? The eyes of your of your head give sight of your body, but the eyes of your of your of your soul gives vision. That's why Job never lost hope because though what he saw on the outside, on the inside, he had some vision. That's why Daniel never lost hope looking in the eyes of the lion because, because he never lost sight in his soul. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they never lost sight gazing into the fire because they, they never lost sight of their soul. And they saw the, the, the king of glory in the fire with them. You see, the point that you need to understand, the eyes, sometimes we, we, don't, go, we don't go blind with these eyes, but we go blind with these eyes. We, we can see with these eyes, but we cannot see with these eyes. Hell will do everything possible to inhibit you from pushing you from pushing through until you see with these eyes what you see with these eyes. God has put in my heart to tell somebody, God is ready to restore your sight today. He's ready to restore your vision today. If the church ever needed to have their vision restored, it's now. They call it a post-church generation. That church time is over and churches are emptying out all across the nation. But my church is filling up. You know why? Because we have an atmosphere of the glory and the power of God and we teach vision on the inside. You've got to have more than just what you see. It's more than just your nine to five. Can somebody shout amen? You see, you've got to be ready to dream again, to have that, that dream resurrected and to see again with God's eyes and to see things that you put on the shelf and you've locked up and thrown away the key because the devil said, it's never going to happen. I had a young minister call me all discouraged because he's facing these things, trying to pioneer a church. And, he, and I'm his pastor. He said, Pastor, what do we do? I said, I'll tell you what you do. You go in your closet and you get on your knees and you pray until you're not alone anymore and let the hand of God touch you, son and you step behind that pulpit with that Bible and you preach the word of God and they'll come from the north, the south, the east, and the west and it's about a high time we get some vision to call in the saints, call in the sinners from the north, the south, east, and the west. My Bible tells me that I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. 
I love the, in I, the, the, the New Living Translation. It says it like this, that, that, that God has made and kept ready for those who love him. God has for you everything. God ever spoke to you as a child. God has those things. You may have given up on those things. A man was coming to my office that had been for 25 years a, a cocaine addict, and he had tracks up and down his arm, but his wife and his son was in my church. He's coming to see me. His wife begged him, come and, and see my pastor before you commit suicide. He was going out, had everything set, ready to go. He come to tell me, you take care of my son, you take care of my daughters. And, and God gave me a word before he got there because I was on my knees and when he come in my office I said let me tell you something God is going to restore everything the canker worm has eaten everything the palmer worm has eaten and God's going to restore your life like nothing ever happened that old church of God boy dropped on his knees threw his hands in the air and said God I received the call to preach that you called me when I was a child you know what he had had his sight but he lost his vision you guys are going to preach me to death today I can tell you that right now you see, God said your destiny has no expiration date. Glory to God. He said that to me one day in prayer. Your destiny has no expiration date. I don't care. You know, they told us you can't run. Though. We run six Bluebird buses. We have about 280 teenagers on Wednesday night. We run to small communities and pick up, pick up teenagers and give them Jesus. They said you won't be able to run the buses when the diesel is so high. I said we didn't start it because the diesel was low. God will make a way somehow, and God did make a way. We're still running those buses. You come out to our parking lot, see those buses parked everywhere. Come on on Wednesday nights, you see the kids coming in screaming and, 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 and throwing paper wads on the come Come back after service is over, you'll see them speaking in tongues going down the road. God said your destiny has no expiration date. Somebody needs that. This is all received by his spirit. I have not seen it. Ear hath not heard it. I mean, when I had a car pass me that had no driver in it, I'm saying, you know, we've seen some things. We, we can land somebody on the moon and we're going to land somebody on the Mars. Uh, we've seen some things, but God said, it's never entered the heart of man what I have prepared for you. Nobody has yet seen anything like what I have prepared. We've been looking in the wrong, with the wrong eyes. But when you see it, you'll know it because these eyes, your soul has seen it. You have, you have seen it. You have dreamed about it. And that is, that is the, the life that I was meant to live. That's the marriage I was meant to have. Meant to have. That's the man that I was meant to marry. That, that's the woman of my dreams. Open the eyes of my heart, God. Open the eyes of my heart, God, that, that I may see you. There's a song about that. Verse 25, I want you to get this. He looked at the, at the honesty of the man. He looked at the honesty of the man that said, I can't see but men like, like trees, walking like trees. That's all I can see. He was honest with God. That's the real problem in the church. Sometimes we're so proud we can't be honest with him. The man's honesty touched the Lord. The Bible says once more, Jesus touched him. His eyes were open. His sight was restored. And everything he could see clearly now. I want you to notice what Jesus says to him in verse 26. He says, go home and don't even go back to the village. 
There's a reason for that. You have to know where not to go after certain things get fixed in your life. Why? Because what was fixed in one season can be broken again in another season. You have to be careful of the company that you keep. Here's my message. If the man didn't see clearly the first time, did Jesus fail? Have you ever felt God's touch, but you still see men as trees? Can't quite get a hold of what God has spoken in your spirit? He touched you in a, in a revival service or a meeting like this. He touched your heart. You responded to the altar call and you, you, you said all the right words. He touched you, but you, you don't have eyesight. You've got tree sight. It's better than it used to be, but it's not what it's supposed to be. The first touch got your attention. It's better, but it still looks like men as trees. Did Jesus fail? Was the first touch not enough? Or is God up to something? I'd rather believe the latter. Remember, whenever God does something, he's doing something. When he's doing nothing, he's still doing something because he's God. Maybe the second touch were, were, not, were not a coincidence. And maybe the second touches were not intended to, were intended to teach you something. And maybe the second touch were, were, were about you and me and our future to, re, to remind you of his persistence in your life and his never giving up on you kind of a, a thing. God of completeness. And God shows us God never leaves us with tree sight that God is a finisher that what God starts in your life he will finish it and what God begins he'll bring it to pass and he and if he's not finished he's not done because when he gets done I guarantee you it's finished give God a shout of praise now I come today on purpose to tell somebody that God is not done in your life God is not done in your life. You still see men as trees and not eyesight like you should have. There's another touch coming in your life. I've had so many men that's hooked on pornography in so many different uh, situations in our church and, 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 and the, among the ladies and there's things that have been bound up little gals that can't seem to can't seem to stay straight in, in the house of God that go out and come back in and go out and come back in that they don't understand that that they, they've got that uh, the most miserable person in the world is that that's had the touch of God on their life and they've lost that touch Oh, they've had the touch of God on their life and did not allow God to finish that touch on their life, to completely surrender to God. I come to tell you there's another touch coming. If it's better than it used to be, but it's not good enough as it's supposed to be, there's another touch coming. If the door is just cracked but hadn't swung all the way open, I'm telling you, there's another touch coming. Your God sent me uh, uh, to Mark 8 to, to remind you, to let you know that God is a God that will do it again. He will touch you again. He will bring everything to fruition. If you just sell out to God completely, would somebody shout amen? 
You see, we ought to lift our hands right now and just tell the Lord these things and, and, and tell him that, God, I want to get my vision back. I want Isaac got his vision back. Isaac got his wells back. And Jacob got it, wrestled with God and got his, uh, his heritage back. And Jacob lost his dream, but he got his dream back. And Job lost his health, but he got his health back. He lost his children, but he got his children back. Lost everything, but he got it all back. Samson lost his strength, but he got it back. David lost his throne, but he got it back and too many people set up for just tree sight and think that maybe I don't deserve for God to do for me what he began in my life. I quit on him. I don't deserve it. I'm unworthy of God's touch in my life. I come to tell somebody the devil is a lie today. He gave me that very lie. When I walk into church and I went back with my band and I walked out of church, he, he did the very same to me because you think you don't deserve it. The first time, they asked Jesus to touch the man. The second time, Jesus didn't have to have anybody's permission. Jesus touched the man on his own to let him know, it's not what you deserve. It's not what you think you got coming down the pike. It's my grace and it's my mercy. And without permission, Jesus touched his life. What a picture of grace. No criteria to me. Jesus just touched the man and made the man whole. And he could see clear and he could see completely again. The man was brought by friends. The man couldn't see, but he had friends that could see. You may be here today. You've been invited by someone that you may not have vision yourself, but they had vision enough to get you here, to bring you to Jesus. I was back in the back of the West Side Free Will Baptist Church when Jesus touched me the first time. He reached all the way down. I... I played the guitar behind my family, Southern Gospel Singers. We travel all over the Oak Ridge Boys and the, the Goodman family and the, and the Henson family and all those families of Florida boys. And you mentioned that we travel with them. We do all these concerts all over the country, and we travel in a, in a big, big old bus, and I've got perpetual smell of diesel in my lungs. I swore that once I grew up that, that mama, you know, travel with mom and dad, I'd never travel again in my life. And then God called me to be an evangelist. And I've got a diesel. But I remember when I first got that touch. I mean, when, when I, my family was singing down there uh, up on the stage, and I was way back in the back. I would come in. I, I, I was afraid. I was afraid to get out of the car. I dropped my wife off. She was pregnant with our first child. She's big and pregnant. And I had a big... Plymouth Fury 3, and I, I had a violent temper. I was, I was a crazy man because I want to tell you something. Once you ever get the touch of God on your life, you'll never be complete. You'll never be sane until you let God touch you the second time. You, you, you may run from God. You may, you may be in and out, but I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be a miserable person. I was a miserable man, and, and I, 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 had, I had a violent temper, and I, nobody would want to mess with me. But my uncle come running out of the church as I was dropping my wife off. I wouldn't stop the car. I'd just kind of slow down and let her hop out, and she'd hold her belly, and she'd hop out of the car. And I'd start driving off, and had an uncle that came and jumped through the, the, the window of my car car didn't have any windows I'd shot him out he jumped through the, the window of the car and he said son won't you come in and sit with your wife today and and, and I said hey, I'm not going to go he said son come come in I'm your uncle come in and I said listen you, you better bring your lunch because you, you know I'm not going in there today and and, and he, he jumped out of my car 
And when I when I he jumped out of my car, saw tears running down his face, and touched my heart, and I went and parked that old Plymouth Fury three as far away from the church as I could get it. And I went and I walked to the back of that old Free Will Baptist Church, and I went in a little shotgun church and had those swinging doors, little hallway coming in, little swinging doors, men's restroom here, women's restroom there. And I would walk walk in, and I sit right down at the back, so I could reach over and touch those swinging doors. So I could escape. But I want to tell you what happened that day. My family began to sing that song that made popular, Stroll Over Heaven With You. God began to touch my heart, and I, I felt conviction. And I, I had an uncle that's pastoring the church now there, and my, my grandfather was pastoring at the time, but he jumped up and he ran over and he, he put his hand on me as I was getting ready to leave. He stopped, got between me and the door, and just put his hand on me. and stopped me long enough for my grandfather to run from the, from the stage where he sat. They used to sit on the stage. The preachers used to sit on the stage like the people in the post office, you know. <laughs> Mug shots. He, he ran from that stage, and he ran all the way down that aisle, and he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Son, won't you give Jesus a chance? He'll be the best friend you've ever had. I'm going to tell you something, folks. God touched my life the first time. That, that time I went walking down that aisle, and I fell on my knees before the Lord. Before I ever got there, Jesus touched my life. And I'm telling you, he touched me, saved my soul. Would you give God a shout of praise right now? A few weeks later, my old band called me and said, we need a fill-in. If you can just come out, just come out and just, just play with us. Just come out one more time. I thought, well, it won't hurt for me to go out there and just play one more time. Be careful. Don't go back home. He said, don't go back in the village. You, you go, you follow the, the Christian folk. I, I, I didn't do that. By the pull of the music, it got a hold of me and pulled me back in. And I became a miserable person. Back in the nightclubs I was, back playing the music I was, all of a sudden I realized how miserable I was. I walked in one night. My son had just been born. He's just a baby. I walked into his little room and the moonlight was upon his face and I looked upon my, my son and I saw him there and I thought, God, I don't want my son to experience what I'm experiencing right now. That next morning I got up from, from my bed. I didn't go to work that day. I went right to my grandmother's home. She's sitting on the front porch where she always was. My, my pastor's wife, my grandmother, sitting there on that front porch with that big Bible in her hand praying for her children and her family. I went to my grandmother and said, Grandma, listen, I, I fell away from God. I'm, I, I feel terrible that I want to get back with God. She said, kneel right. She's from Arkansas. Kneel right down here, son. Right down here. I got down to Grandma's knees. She prayed this prayer over me. She said, say, that, say this after me. I said, okay. Hell or high water. I looked at my grandmother and said, did hell come out of my grandmother's mouth? Hell or high water. Sink or swim. Here's my yesterday. Here's my today, and here's my tomorrow. I give you forever, yes. You are my God right there. I prayed that prayer. I'm going to tell you something, church, when I got up from my knees, I said, devil, you are a liar. I looked and I saw men walking, not as trees, but as men. I got vision on the inside, and from that moment, I got a vision for my city. I got a vision for my nation. I began to travel. Now, that vision has become, that. listen, I was, I was 43 years of age, and I want you to understand uh, uh, that God touched me, but, but my son is 43. 
33 years of age. And right now, he's standing in my pulpit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He will inherit that church. He's a mighty preacher. My daughter will fill in for her mother in her class next week. I'm telling you, friends, if you serve God, God will give you your dream back. The devil is a lie. He gives the second touch. And today is your day for your miracle, your healing. And the respondents to God today will bring you everything that God says belongs to you. Won't you give God a shout of praise right now? Every head bowed, all eyes closed. In the name of Jesus Christ, I call for the praise team. If you're here today and you don't know for sure, 100% sure that you're right with God, if you don't know that you're ready to meet him right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I bid you in the name of Jesus, in just a moment when I give the invitation to meet men in these altars of prayer. And right here today, we're going to go right back to where God has you. We're going to go right back to the original vision. We're going to go right back to where you were when God first touched you because there is such a thing as falling away. There is such a thing as backsliding. There is such a thing as, as getting away from from the vision and the call of God until you can't see but with this world's eyes. And that's what's wrong with so much of the church world today. They're looking through the natural eye and they're not looking through the spiritual eye. They're seeing men as trees and they need a second touch from heaven. And God has called me and commissioned me to go around this nation and call this, call this altar service into to place right now that every one of us can have the opportunity to get right back where God would have us to be, to allow God to have our lives completely 110%, everything that we have, our yesterday, our today, and our tomorrow in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know that you're 100% sold out for God, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but just slip your head up right where you are. If you know that you're not right, God bless you. If you know you're not right where you ought to be with God, just slip your head up right now. Let God, just be honest with God and say, God, I need that vision back. I need you to touch me back in the name of Jesus Christ. I want everyone in the house to stand right now. Just stand with this one. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to uh, put this person on the spot. But right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, there's a brother in this, in this church right now that raised his hand. Just everybody stand with me right now in respect of the Holy Spirit. I want us right now to pray this prayer from our heart. And we pray this prayer from our heart. God will receive it and God will be blessed. And you will, you will be blessed by it in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Father God, I come to you in the name of your son Jesus. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for the first touch. But I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, to touch me again as you did that man. Make my vision clear. Here's my yesterday. Here's my today. Here's my tomorrow. I give you my life. It's all up to you. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. Now give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on, church. <laughs> Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God forevermore. I got, I got news for somebody in the house today. I believe in preaching a word if it's just for one person. How many believe that? It's just for one person. But the fact of the matter is, every one of us know that we can have a closer walk with the Lord. Every one of us know that we can have a clear vision. And this ought to be our theme. This, this ought to be our desire. This ought to be the song that we sing when we get up in the morning. This song right here.
God, just open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart. Sing it, church. Let, let it be your answer to God. open your heart to the Lord this morning. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Listen, we're going to have a great time in this house tonight. We're going to turn loose and have a concert and believe God and have souls saved at the same time. If, you're, if you have visitors or friends and people that need Jesus Christ, bring them in and we're going to believe God that their names shall be written in the Lamb's Book of Life tonight in the name of the Lord. Pastor. Let's give the Lord praise for this ministry. Amen. You can be seated real quick if you would, just for a moment. How many were blessed by this ministry? How many got a word? 
I believe that there was a word spoken that's going to touch some people's lives. Amen. I want to do something real quick as the ushers are coming forward. I want to, I want to take up a special love offering pastor for Pastor Mike. Carl and I have ours. And uh, here's the great thing. If you don't have something with you, we text to give is going to be put up there. Ask for an envelope real quick. If you're new to the walk with the Lord, learn how to sow seed into a ministry. Learn how to, when, when the ministry blesses you and a word comes, you're not paying for that. God doesn't charge for it. But when the Lord speaks to you through somebody and you sow a seed into that ministry, the blessing and the anointing that's on that ministry comes back. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen. How come y'all are so quiet now that I'm up here? Amen. I may have him come back up and do the offering for himself. Y'all respond better to him. Amen. I'm not, it's not for me. Amen. But he told me something really cool. He He's not just using this just for, I mean, he can use it for whatever he wants. But he was telling me he uses these offerings in these services to do his work with, with, uh, with the bases. And so it's an awesome uh, seed to sow into, amen. And whatever he needs it for, we're going to give him this love offering as a church. So I don't want you to miss out. I'm going to give you, if you need an envelope and you haven't done text to give yet, we need to learn how to do that anyways because it's an easy way. If you ever forget, just raise your hand if you need an envelope. The ushers have them. If you don't, that's fine, but if you need one. And if you are going to do text to give and you're not giving cash. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.